broadcasting from the Annie Up studio. It's the longest running poker podcast for the everyday poker player with your host, Joe Scale. Hello, A-Team. It's Friday, July 14th. And those of you watching on YouTube can see I'm coming to you from a new location. We'll get into that more in the Table Talk segment, but we have a lot to get into this week. Before we get too far, though, I want to remind you that a portion of the show is sponsored by Manscaped. We only have that 20% off code until the 20th, so just six more days. If you haven't taken advantage of that, go to manscaped.com and use the code ANTIUP20. I'm telling you, you're going to be blown away by their products. First of all, the Lawnmower 4.0 is way ahead of its time. Other trimmers aspire to be what this trimmer is. It has a ceramic blade, which reduces grooming accidents. There's, there's no mess either when you're using the Lawnmower or even the Weed Whacker nose and ear trimmer because they're waterproof. Just take them into the shower. And the skin-safe technology will reduce the nicks, snags, or tugs in those delicate nose holes or wherever you're using it. You're going to get one of those eventually, so take advantage of the code to get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Just go to manscaped.com and use the code ANTIUP20. The right tools are important for any job, and taking care of your body is no different, so Go to manscaped.com and be sure to use the code ANTIUP20. David Beeson asked in the ANTIUP fans Facebook page to turn off the sound effects during the hand of the week. So this week, the sound effects are only on the YouTube video. The audio podcast will not include those. To be honest, I didn't even think about the fact that that would be annoying when you're not seeing the video. And I always appreciate feedback like that because it helps me get better. That said. The Hand of the Week video on YouTube is also a good tool to follow along with the breakdown, so I would recommend checking that out. Just go to youtube.com slash at, the little at symbol, anti-up poker media, and while you're there, don't forget to subscribe. In all honesty, the easiest way to get all of our tools, like the YouTube page, the magazine, the website, and the podcast is through the Anti-Up link tree. I'll have a link to that in the show description as well. And I would recommend putting a bookmark on that page. Then you'll have quick access to everything that way. That's all I really have for now. So let's get on with the show. Find out what conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk. We're back around the table with Elle. Hey, everybody. How are you? Great. It's Friday. <laughs> it is Friday. And we are obviously, well, I say obviously, obvious to those on YouTube, we are in a different location. Uh, would you like to tell everybody why that is? Well, sure. It's because life's not always all about poker. So um, it's summer. We're enjoying uh, the adventure of headed to a live concert um, out at an amphitheater in Virginia Beach. And along the way, we stopped to see family and friends. So we are recording on the road this week. It is not, our studio has not changed just yet, although those things are in the works. So stay tuned. If you join us uh, virtually, you'll be some seeing some changes to the, the home studio soon. True. True. Very exciting stuff in the works. All right. So we do need to mention um, our Table Talk sponsor, who is? Rockford Charitable Games. <laughs> and they are actually playing at the Hyatt Regency, uh, what, today, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So um, In Deerfield, go- Illinois. Yeah. Important. There's lots of Hyatt Regencies. Regencies. You're right. You're right. <laughs> the Hyatt Regency in Deerfield, Illinois. And they are, uh, they have a tournament tonight, I believe. So Fridays they have tournaments, but I love that they have cash games all the time. And, and they start at like 1230 and they run until after midnight. Awesome. Which is. Jump in when you can, when you want. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's incredible. 
But speaking of tournaments, though, we can't mention Rockford Charitable Games without mentioning the fact that there's a free roll tournament that we have partnered with them for, the Annie Up Free Roll, that happens July 20th. They pay six spots in this, and right now there are 25 entries. So, uh, you know, you've got a pretty good chance of getting to that six spot. Uh, so make sure to re- reserve your spot with the password, which is the worm. <laughs> you can only find that password here or in our July issue of the magazine. So make sure to register with that. There's a sign up form in the magazine. We'll have one in the description of the video slash audio podcast. And uh, Rockford Charitable has a link on their site as well. And we happen to know that many Annie Up listeners have already signed up, um, but take advantage of using that password, the worm, to get in there. And if you're if you're playing, take a photo, guys. Uh, don't be shy. Upload it somewhere. If you're on Twitter, be sure to upload a photo of all the Annie Up Nation that is there playing with Rockford Charitable Games. We'd love to see you guys. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so... There's also this other tournament that's happening right now. The main event in Vegas is winding down. <laughs> you you mentioned the main event like it's this little small <laughs> game that's going on that nobody knows about. Of course we know it's you know, day it's... 7. We've all been following, we've all been watching. Um, you know. You've been following how many are left? I think there's only like 16. 15, but yeah. Close, close. Hello. You were close. Minute to minute. It could have been 16 <laughs> a minute ago. You know that people can go all in and leave the table quickly. So, um, yeah, they, so they'll start back up today. They haven't started today yet, but they will. And one, I'm, I'm probably in true up fashion going to get this wrong, but one Meseres, that's what I'm going with. Um, if I got that wrong one, I'm sorry, but he is the chip leader with, get this, 108 million chips. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I can't imagine having 108 just sitting in front of me. Yeah, right? <laughs> what a feeling. Go, Juan. And um, next to him is Adam Walton. He is uh, just shy of 75 and a half million. And Jan Peter. Jan Yachman. Peter Yachman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Um, he has 70.775 million. Then rounding out the top five is Stephen Jones with 67.9 and Toby Lewis with 50 million. So those chip counts are astounding. Like it's with this many people in the World Series this year with over 10 million. Right. With over 10,000. <laughs> 10,000 people. Yeah, with over 10,000 people in there, then that is a massive number of chips. I wonder how many – has anybody been asking them questions about that as they end out the day? Is How does it feel to have this number of chips? Have you ever had to manage this amount before? Because I would think it would change how you see things. Even though you know your strategy, you know how your play is going to be, you gauge – based on what other people are doing at the table. We all know this. The psychology of the game is fascinating to me. But I wonder if that has thrown anybody for a loop. Yeah, because I don't think there's any other tournament with this kind of structure. Like, there's other tournaments that have long structures, but with this massive field and you start with a massive amount of chips in front of you, so by the time you get down to – 15 or the final table is going to be incredible. I mean, there's just going to be so many chips there. Yeah, I think that would be a a tough thing to manage without ever having done it before. So one of the names that sticks out to me that's left is Alec Torelli, and he's been a poker pro for a long time. Uh, He's he has actually kind of turned that whole decision making process in poker Mm. into a business. So he teaches businesses, business executives, how to make decisions based on the decision-making process that he has learned at the poker table. Fascinating. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Another person that is of note 
at the in the top 15 is Daniel Weinman. Mm-hmm. He um he's done really well. He's been around the poker scene for years as well, but he won his first bracelet last year, I believe. Oh wow. And uh he also um he's done he's had a really great summer just going deep in a lot of tournaments this year. So uh, but speaking of going deep in a bunch of tournaments yeah. and having a good summer, um, Ian Matakis is the top of the leaderboard in the player of the year. And behind him is your favorite to win it. Yeah. Chris Brewer is right behind him. Tugged on my heartstrings. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> and, uh, Josh Aria is in third, but, uh, Josh Aria, it's not just been a good summer for him. It's been a good, long uh, career. Not that he's toward the end of it or anything, but but he's had a good, long career. He was nominated for the Poker Hall of Fame this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Way to go, Josh. Yeah, and now he's third in the Player of the Year race as well. But the overwhelming favorite for Hall of Poker Hall of Fame was or is – Brian Rast, and he actually won it. So he will be, he will have his induction ceremony. He is, um, this list, there were nine people nominated and it was a huge list of people that deserve to be in. Every one of them, I think. Um, I already mentioned Josh Rea, Brian Rast, well, Tom McAvoy and TJ Cloutier gave their votes to Kathy Liebert, um, and she's an incredible poker player and one of the top women for sure. Um, she was definitely she was definitely deserving. Then there's Elke, Mike Mizraki, Mike the Mouth, um, Issei Scheinberg, who's a pioneer in the online poker world. He started Poker Stars, actually. Oh wow! Yeah, and. And then there's there's Norman Chad, Lon McCarran, which are the voices of the WSOP, uh, and uh, Matt Savage, who is the poker director for the World Poker Tour. Um, he actually, I mean, how can you argue with Matt Savage being in there? He actually is one of the founders of the TDA, which is the rule book for tournament poker. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's a hard call yeah. for those who had to vote this year. Yeah, but... I mean, Brian Rast did kind of solidify it uh, when he won the $50,000 Poker Players Championship for the third time. <laughs> I mean, that's it, it, that's considered to be next to the main event. That is the tournament to win. Right. And he's won it argue with that three then? times. Yeah. Yeah. Can't argue with those numbers. Uh, the, the cool thing about the Poker Players Championship is that it's not just Hold'em. So you play all these different games. Well, then you exhibit great skill. Exactly. So congratulations. Yes, congratulations to Brian Rast, for sure. For sure. He he took it down uh, well-deserved. Actually, so like we mentioned, we're going to be here. We're going to go to this concert. Shouldn't funny. be a secret. We're going to see Chris Stapleton. I've been waiting for three years. The funny... <laughs> The funny thing about this concert is we bought these tickets so long ago that we both forgot that we had them. Twice. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> and I have been so excited to go see him. There's just been a lot going on with um, owning a business, owning it up. <laughs> yes. And, and having grandchildren and just, um, you know, everybody out there listening, you know, life gets in the way sometimes and just, or surprises you or takes a turn or whatever. And so, um, this wasn't at the top of the list of things, you know, of importance in, in our life at the moment. And so, so excited to be going tonight. It's um, going to be so fun. Crossing fingers for no rain. And uh, just want to enjoy a nice evening of live music with a bunch of other people. That's what summer is about to me. Yeah, absolutely. Getting outside, enjoying the weather, um, taking advantage of opportunities that come along. So we're excited. Yeah. And then on the way back, we're going to... That oh, yeah. that Rivers Casino in Portsmouth, we're going to check that out. So we'll let everybody know what that looks like and next week. 
Anything else you want to add? No? You're ready to just go. Get on the road. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me again. And uh, we'll see you next week. Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter. Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He's here to rule on situations that come up in your home games. Uh, And this week, we're going to go a little further than your home game. Elliot, how you doing? Doing very well. Uh, The rain is broken. The smoke is left. It's beautiful. And things are going pretty nice. (laughs) Well, we, uh, we recorded last week's Call the Floor a little bit early, so I haven't really talked to you since the 4th. Did you have a good 4th of July? Yes, absolutely. It was a great time. We had uh, free concerts uh, up here in the area. We had fireworks everywhere. That was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I bet uh, up in that area, I bet it, fireworks time, it is beautiful. They've, they've got some good ones, I'm sure. Is. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah, best fireworks are definitely from New York. Yeah. Well, we uh, we have a little bit different of a call the floor this week because uh, Vincent Ferrigno had had posted this in the Annie Up fans Facebook page. And uh, there was some some controversy that happened in the, the World Series of Poker. So let me let me read the tweet that that he posted in the thing and then we'll we'll discuss it from there. It says 50% of someone's stack is lost in a hand King Jack versus King four of diamonds. And that four of diamonds is important. The flop comes King XXX four. The hands are tabled. And another player says that they folded the four of diamonds pre-flop. So the deck is turned over and revealed that this is true. The floor comes over, rules that there was significant action and the chips were not returned. So an obvious wrong ruling, <laughs> uh, but uh, I wanted to get you to elaborate on this a little bit. Well, uh, it's hard to call it obvious. I do believe the, the ruling is wrong. There are two rules that are incongruous to each other. Significant action is a pretty, a pretty big rule and a big catch-all and a very important rule. Uh, prevents people from cheating by letting the action go by them or playing angles. It, it does play a big part of the game. If if two or more players put chips in the pot, I mean, the action set it, it. There's only so much you can do to reset. You can't give the pot away at that point. You can't undo a lot of things in that spot. It, it keeps the game moving. It keeps the game fair. It's an important rule. That being said, <laughs> uh, playing with the right cards uh, – is more important than significant action. If you're playing a 52 card game, you're not playing a, a, a short dead game or a 53 card game, such as a single draw. If you're playing 52 cards and the wrong 52 are there, you're supposed to have the, the deuce all the way up to the ace of four different suits. If one of those cards is removed and substituted with a card already in the deck, like the four diamonds here, then yeah, the odds have changed for everybody. And they played the hand under those conditions, so the the people who would rule significant action here are going to make that argument. That's fine. Make that argument. doesn't make it correct. You're supposed to play with the right cards at the right time, all the time. This is one of those spots where the security and integrity of the game supersedes significant action. It's not a good look here to, to sell. Well, you were playing like that for, for at least a, a dealer or two. You're going to keep playing like that. That that hand's going to play. Tough luck. Wrong. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that way and shouldn't be that way. Uh, it's a bad look. Recreate the action. Give the chips back. Take the deck out of play. Apologize. Give out some free drinks, maybe even a free lunch, and move on with life. I mean, you're not going to undo the previous hands. Uh, no nobody's going to ask for that. And if they do, you can, you can very say folks, nobody knew about it until now, but now that we know about it, we're going to correct it. Right. It's not okay to say, okay, now that we know about it, you know what tough you played under those conditions in the future, we'll change it. No, I want to give a uh, kudos here to the gentleman who spoke up when he said he folded the four of diamonds. Otherwise, well, 
he's cheating if he doesn't. But he's letting everybody know that, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. Let's get this done. He spoke up very correctly and, and, and very nicely. That was very a very good thing to happen. Otherwise, they never would have found this, or at least until the disaster hits. What happens if it's two very big stacks all in, and then all of a sudden the flop comes, ace of clubs, four diamonds, four diamonds? <laughs> right. Now we're in real trouble. Right. There was significant action before the flop. What are you going to do? Just shuffle up the cards without one of the fours of diamonds and then just run out of board? Well, you brought up one point also, like where did this four of diamonds come from? Right. Was it from was it from decks that were previously in play on that table? Did a dealer accidentally bring them with them when they brought new cards in? Did a player, heaven forbid, hold out from another table and then introduce it on this table? Uh, there's too many things that could have gone wrong here, and none of them are good. Some <laughs> of them are accidental and unintentional, but some of them could be intentional. Either way, there's too many wrong things here. I mean, to just try to sweep this under the carpet and, and use the significant action catch-all is not appropriate here. Uh, you still have to run an investigation. You still have to figure out where this four of diamonds comes from. I mean, if the decks were set incorrectly and then spread and then obviously not inspected correctly before shuffling and, and dealing, uh, obviously that's a, a training issue and a security issue. If somebody was holding out on another table, eh, now we got a, a pretty major issue here, what was happening and, and how many other tables are being affected here. Uh, yeah. Either way, to just to not give the chips back here is is wrong. I mean, this is not just a tradition. This is not a case of that's the way it's always been done. This is a case of fairness. Right. I mean, the odds, while the same for everybody, are different on that table than they are on every other table. Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. Everybody's supposed to be playing under the identical circumstances. Otherwise, a tournament is completely unfair. That's why we have rules like showing cards to your opponent that are enforced, even though you're only against one other player in a pot, you're theoretically playing the other hundred or thousand or 10,000 players in the rest of the field. So again, rules are made for fairness to keep everybody playing under identical, ideal, and most importantly, fair conditions. And this goes against a lot of that. This is a bad result, and I'm, I'm fairly disappointed. I mean, the guys of the World Series are impressive. They know what they're doing. They, they run a, a very smooth event that's just overrun with bodies. It's, it's an amazing undertaking, and they're to be admired and, and thanked for it. They dropped the ball on this one, and hopefully this was not the main event. But even so, I mean, none of these events are inexpensive. Even the, the, the $400 Gladiators is still an amazing undertaking and a lot of people had multiple buy-ins and so right it, none of these events are cheap by by regular standards uh, the average bracelet event is over a thousand dollars and 1500 will get you into almost every bracelet event except for the the occasional 50 or 5 or 10 but yeah i mean these are expensive tournaments and people are supposed to get what they pay for and you're compounding that with Let's face it, some some dealers that are not experienced and, and trained enough based on what the average person is buying into a tournament for. Right. And that's not the World Series fault. Let me make that very clear. Uh, the demand for dealers uh, around the country, especially in the summer during the World Series, when seven casinos are running major events simultaneously, even in, in years when unemployment is high and people are available, it's still a struggle to find dealers to, to fill all these positions. Right. Uh, we're now obviously in uh, a booming employment time. Unemployment is obviously, by any measured standard, is, is at record lows. There are job openings for poker dealers in a lot of places, and certainly in places where it's not 113 degrees every day. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, finding a, a lot of dealers to fill thousands of tables. The thousands of tables at the World Series, that, that accounts for a significant percentage of the poker dealers employed in the industry. So, again, this is not entirely their fault. It's somewhat their fault. Uh, 
I can't let them off the hook completely. I mean, training your team and keeping them refreshed uh, on procedures and and rules is certainly the responsibility of the person holding the event and hosting the game. Right. And to your point earlier, money aside, and that is an important thing, but but a lot of people, this is especially this year, this is their first experience with the World Series of Poker. And you don't want it to be soured with something that is not technically right, right? You want everything to run as sound. And there's going to be mistakes. That's not what I mean. But but you something of this magnitude, you don't want that to be something that sours their um, whole World Series experience. Right. So. You don't want to make a decision for expediency. You don't want to just move the game along, but leaving everybody turned off and with a bad taste in their mouth. Right. Uh, you're absolutely correct. And this does that. You would, By giving the chips back, yes, you've slowed down the tournament for that table, but you've made everybody happy. Uh, <laughs> and granted, I mean, a lot of calls at, at the table for, for, for me and my colleagues are judgment calls that, hey, we're – we're going to make calls that are just going to get everybody hating us. It happens. <laughs> but this is one of those times where you could have made a call that was popularly accepted, but also correct according to the rules that are in play for almost all of these games. Right. You can't go wrong being too safe and too secure in a lot of spots. This is one of those spots. There's a lot of money on the line. They're not running shuffle machines on these tables, which... I'm still scratching my head over. I know there may not be enough shuffle machines in existence to to place one on almost every table or every table at the World Series, but theoretically there is and should be. It's going to cost approximately one and a half, two million tops to have shuffle machines on every single table at the World Series. Uh, the current second generation shuffle machine from from the provider and vendor of choice will count the cards and tell you exactly which cards are in the deck at all times. So it reads and identifies 52 different cards. It can be set for uh, a different brand. So it's adaptable to all the different brands that are in play across the country and across the world. It can be adaptable for the size of the card. It can be adaptable for RFID cards or playing cards. The only thing it can't tell is if you've got too many of, of one colored deck and, and not enough of, of the same color deck. So as long as it's got 52 of the right cards, it thinks it could be seven different colors. It doesn't know as long as the 52 cards that are supposed to be there are there, it'll read that. So again, that's usually good enough. Right. I mean, it, when you're scrambling or shuffling up or putting a deck together. You're going to realize with different backs of cards are on the table. But once the cards are shuffled and scrambled, it's very hard to tell. Even when you turn the deck face up, and, and unless you start looking for a specific card, you're not going to find two cards alike. It's just, it's a challenge for most people. Most people are in a rush, too, as you should be. The players are on the clock. Right. But the World Series itself, not, not counting uh, their extra revenue from food and beverage, from the hotel, from table games, from slots, from show tickets, from parking fees, uh, the World Series itself generates somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 to 50 million in, in gross poker revenue. You're looking at, at one and a half to two million tops for shuffle machines on every table. At some point, it's a cost of doing business. I mean, it's not like the World Series is going gonna, is gonna to be caught without players if they raise their, their rake on some of these tournaments. People are still going to play. It's the World Series. <laughs> but yeah. There should have been shuffle machines on, on many of these tables. You've got to put the money somewhere. If you're not going to invest in training, refreshing, then at least some of that money needs to be earmarked towards uh, better security measures. Uh, hey, I mean, I, accountants will tell you this is all dollars that could easily drop to our bottom line. I get that. That's fine. It's a business. Make the money. But Absolutely. you have a duty to maintain integrity also. And this decision in this spot did not maintain the integrity of that tournament. Well, there you go. I mean, I just I thought it would be a great idea to get your your thoughts on that. 
Uh, I appreciate your perspective and uh, there you go. I, I don't, I don't know what more we could say about it. You know, that's, it's a shame that it happened, but uh, yeah, I know Ellen, Alan Kessler has taken this up the, the chain too. So uh, well, he should, this yeah. is one of those battles worth fighting. Yeah, absolutely. So very good. Elliot, thank you again for breaking that down and uh, we'll talk again next week. You're very welcome. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, Joe. Let's break it down with Hand of the Week. Okay, we're back with another Hand of the Week with Patrick. Gentlemen. Hey, man. Ladies, How's it going? Everyone. I'm good. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. It is... Uh, so it's a little later than we normally do this, so it looks a little darker in my room here. You've got <laughs> lots of light behind you. So. <laughs> I have uh, I've gone into the, the 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 downstairs office to make sure that we don't uh, we don't keep anybody up upstairs. So it's actually nice and uh, nice. Gotcha. Nice here at home. So <laughs> you know, the All Star Game just happened. So uh, National League won. And you know what? That's fine by me because um, guess what? The Red Sox aren't winning the or going to the World Series, so I don't care about home field advantage. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? Good riddance to whoever in the AL ends up having to go play on the road. But I will tell you this much: there's controversy in all sports on all times, and you know, baseball tends to stay away from it as long as there's not any, you know, strike. You know, I mean, baseball kind of stays away from it. Now they they change the rules with these pitch clocks and everything. But everyone's kind of getting that under right. the belts. Let me add a little bit of controversy out there. Can we please, please go back to everyone playing in their own uniforms and sporting their own threads? Those uniforms were brutally bad. <laughs> that is true. I, I mean, I did enjoy, I always enjoy seeing the the mix of people out there like you know you know oh this guy's representing boston or he's representing yeah. the royals or he's representing the angels or whatever and so i do like that you're right if we want to have a different uniform you save it for the home run derby yeah exactly you know what and that was awesome i mean that it, they, i feel like they change that every four to five years too and you know the, the rules you know kind of get me but it was it was a great one to watch i love my boy mookie Betts, you know it's still still my boy out, even though he's playing on the West Coast. Decided to do it. <laughs> his, him and his wife gave the explanation of like, listen, he's going to end up doing everything or he's already done everything in baseball, so why not do the home run derby and he gets waxed by 11? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well done, Mookie. Well, uh, yeah, so we've got an interesting hand of the week this week. It's sent in by Alex Kingsley. And he says straight up for some context, we're playing one, three cash. The main villain is to my left. And a few hands earlier, he tried to bluff me. He shoved the turn and I called with top two pair. And he was visually upset that I called his bluff. Got him on tilt. I So. So yeah, so we've already we're starting this hand with him on tilt. I think last week we played the hand and our guy we were on was tilt. on tilt going into the hand. This time the roles are reversed. Yeah, I like it. Makes, <laughs> this is the better side to be for sure. Um, all right, yeah, <laughs> three. What position are we sitting in? We're gonna be in the cutoff. Okay, but but in this hand, I know how much you love the straddle. Oh my god! In this hand, the villain straddled from the button for six dollars. Okay. Now, the button straddle is a little bit more rare, I think, than you know the under the gun straddle or something. But it gives more power to the button than usual. Which I mean, they've always got the power anyway. In this case, they get even more power because they get the chance to play last. Even pre-flop. Yeah. So their range is going to get even wider, I would assume. You would think so. And uh, and, and, the, and quickly for the novices, other other ones out there. So 
when the when the straddle is done that way, it also makes the betting significantly go up pre-flop too. Correct? Is that accurate to say? Or a can. straddle would do that anyway. Yeah. 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 And the 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 pre-flop action now is going to put the the small blind in an even worse position than normal because they're first to act uh, even pre-flop. Yeah. So in this hand, things get a little wild because there are five limpers to us in the cutoff. Oh. <laughs> so we had five people that just called the $6 and it, it gets to us in the cutoff where we have the king of spades, queen of diamonds. All right. King of spades, queen of diamonds. I got to tell you, Joe, it's a lot of king and queens that I feel like we see on a regular basis. We have, we have seen a lot of king, king, queen. Um, and so this should tell you something, right? Like, King Queen's going to get you in trouble. You're going to end up in some tough spots with King Queen. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> and in this one, it, to add even more insult to injury, to, in this one, there are so many people in this hand. Yeah, I got so, to tell you, this is, um, I mean, King Queen offsuits. I, I feel like I'm just calling as well. Like I'm playing, but I'm just calling as well. Ugh. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's a mistake. I think that you've got to try to thin the field a little bit. So that's a good point. I, I think, I think I would, uh, I think I told you before my general rule with a limper, I want to say three times. Yeah. So yeah. I go three times what they put out there. So yeah. three times six, that's 30. Yeah. And then I add Six dollars for every limper. <laughs> so we're putting we we would be putting a significant amount of money out there. I'm I'm over here calling and Joe's putting in forty five fifty dollar bet. <laughs> <laughs> and and Alex is is kind of with me. He makes it forty. Okay. So Oof, way off. All right. So he makes it forty. <laughs> what ends up happening from there? Uh, the villain calls as well as two of the limpers. Okay. It doesn't tell me where, what position the limpers are in, just that that two of the limpers called everybody else. That means three of them folded. So, um, you know, that's, you know, strategy yeah. well done. You, you did thin it out and you got the, yeah. you got the pair of deuces yeah. that, you know, takes us on the turn out of the picture, you know, something like crazy like that <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> all right so, so but to be honest those limpers probably scare me as much if not more than the villain because what are they limping with that they feel like they can call forty dollars yeah that's a good point that's a real so, good point or maybe they're kind of like me um, like, okay well maybe we'll just limp into this but anyway all right so he bet so alex bet 40 we've got the villain and two of the limpers that's Saw the 40. Yeah, so we've got somewhere around 160. It's probably a little bit more than that with uh, the blinds, but I don't know who called and who didn't. So we're going to say somewhere around 160 in the pot. The flop is the king of hearts, five of spades, ten of clubs. It checks to us. You have... Top pair, uh, some backdoor straight possibility. So what are you going to do now? All right. Oh, you're right. We do. Then a little, little backdoor straight possibility there. So we had a forty bet, forty dollar bet the first time, give or take one sixty in the pot. I'm probably going somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy five or eighty, maybe even more. To be honest with you, probably you know what? Probably closer to a hundred. To be honest with you. Top pair. Um, okay, I'm probably going closer to a hundred. With with how I, I like it. One. Yeah, I like the aggressiveness. That's that's good. We maybe maybe we're picking up some some moves here. We are indeed. <laughs> I, I do like that, Alex. I do not like his move here because he bets less now. He goes to sixty dollars 
So he only bet $20 more than he bet pre-flop. Yeah. That's going to leave some people in. I, I would think so, but he says the villain calls and everyone else folds. So the limpers didn't have enough to so, get in the first place, so thanks for your $40. And... Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, I'm so a little surprised at that. So it's us and the villain? Yeah, just us and the villain. All right. I mean, I feel like I don't – a lot of people do this where they do like a, a downsize their bet on the flop. I'm not a big fan of that move just because I just feel like it, unless you have the nuts or a draw to the nuts, then downsizing is just – encouraging action on not only this street, but further streets. So I I think if you're going to bet 60 here, you probably should have just checked in my opinion, but it did do a good job of getting the other two out. So that's good. Yeah. So now Um, we're we're somewhere just South of 300 in the pot. If I'm doing my math, right. You know, 60, 61. Yeah. 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 Approximately 280 in the pot. We're now heads up to the turn, which is the Ten of Diamonds. So now the board pairs. See, this is where this is where I go back to: Do I, you know, stay aggressive, or do I go back to like what you guys have been talking about, like lose less? Well, in this case, with a little bit of the background info that I've already got him, you know, we called his bluff and got him a little bit on tilt. I'm probably going to push again here. No, no, not that term. Whoever our friend was a couple weeks ago, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. like I caught myself. I'm going to to move a little bit <laughs> further in on the action. I mean, I'm probably going. I mean, so Alex only did sixty, but I was thinking in the seventy-five to one hundred range. So the pot's two eighty now. I'm probably going at least one, probably one twenty to one forty half half of the pot. Half pot, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to you're worried about the board pairing, but I'm still feeling okay about it. Yeah, I I understand. So we're, we're we're getting in this this kind of range now where we've got you out of your comfort zone where you're starting to push the action a little bit more. Now we've got to get you thinking about ranges of of hands for people, right? Yeah. And in this in this particular case, I feel like that 10 helps him more than it does our range. Uh, so I feel like in this case, anyway, I would probably check and then call if they bet. Okay. Let me, let me ask you, does it, so if, if in that instance, if we show any kind of weakness, I, the weakness would be a small bet, correct? Check is not necessarily a weakness necessarily, right? It can be. I mean, it depends on. What our style of play is, I guess, yeah. you know, and, but, uh, it can, it can show some weakness, but at the same time, I would say, what's he going to bet? You know, if he bets half the pot, then it gets the same result, right? Yeah. If we're, if we're going to call, then some people would say, I would rather be the one pushing the action, yeah, putting the pressure on them, which is what you're doing. I just personally, I think I can check here and look for some reads from the player, from the villain and say, okay, you know what, if they check back to me, great, you know? Yeah. But if they, if they bet, then they're probably only putting in what we said. And if they put in more than that, then that tells us something also. Yeah. So, we can reevaluate at that point. What did, um, uh, what did our friend Alex end up doing? Alex bet one ten. Okay. So you you guys were right there in the same ballpark. Yeah. And the villain calls again. All right. So now there's about five hundred in the pot. Yep. So now the river is the nine of hearts. So we've got king of spades, queen of diamonds. The board shows king of hearts, five of spades, ten of clubs, ten of diamonds, nine of hearts. 
Yeah. Unless he's unless he's holding pocket fives or nines, only thing that takes us down is a ten. Maybe or you know if he does have a king, ace king, you know, queen jack. Well, see, that's why you're the pro, my friend. Oh my god. <laughs> queen jack. Yeah, queen jack is. This down. Yeah, see, this one's real interesting because. If we're continuing how we're going, again, I'm, I mean, I don't know what our stack was, um, but I've I've controlled everything so far, so I'm going to control again. Yeah, this is a big pot. I, I don't, I'm, again, I don't know what our stack is, but I'm definitely somewhere in the, you know, 200 range. Yeah. If you can, if you continue that route, you know, if you didn't check on, right. on the turn, then, you know. Uh, playing it as you played it, then yeah, I understand. Uh, I'm probably I'm probably continuing my path here as well, and I'm check, check calling. Uh, in my mind, the nine didn't change a whole lot. It does put it does complete queen jack. It does allow that to be the straight, but I don't feel like, as played, <laughs> that hand makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I don't think it makes it to the river in this situation. I could be wrong, and I would pay for it if I if that's true. <laughs> but I I would check and then probably call a bet from them. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna find out what my because I just Alex checks and the villain shoves Queen Jack. We have him covered, but this would leave us with crumbs. He says, <laughs> "Yikes." Yeah. <laughs> so this is exactly what we were just saying is I'm going to pay for it if if he has queen jack or a 10. I mean that's that's my biggest or a 10, yeah. What um what did Alex do? So Alex says I almost called since I blocked the straight and I felt he would have check raised the turn if he had a 10. Which I, I would agree. Yeah. But he looked very calm and comfortable. So I ended up folding. He shows the bluff. Turning over the queen of hearts. Nine of spades. So. Going back to the very beginning in full circle. Our, our villain over there on tilt. Was wanting payback real bad. He was determined to get a bluff through. He was, to go. he was like, I'm getting a bluff past this guy. And he sat there calmly and got it. You know what? Hey, and and he rubbed place. salt into the wound <laughs> by showing the bluff as well. Yeah. Uh, that's rough. Alex, I don't know how the rest of your night uh, finished out, but that was that. <laughs> I mean, here's the good news. Essentially, we were playing with his money anyway because of the bluff that we called earlier, right? <laughs> actually a very good point and you know what it depends on how much chatty was at that table but you know maybe that's one of those under there's like all right well you, you know you, t you tell yourself hey well at least he got his money back <laughs> Keep the guy right <laughs> right oh, that's i mean i'm looking at this hand though and i'm trying to figure out now that i know the result i'm trying not to be results oriented in this analysis but I don't. I, I feel like I might have made the call in the moment. Um, yeah, it's not really. I don't know. the The price is is not necessarily the right price to call. Um, if we're only left with crumbs, so I, we don't know what stack sizes are. No, I'm just. I'm oh. just trying to make a guess on what that shove would have been. Well, let me um, let me tell you from my point of view, I would have I would have won one way and lost the other. And let me tell you, if I played it like I did, where I kept control the whole time, and yeah, I bet you know around that two hundred number, if we still had it in our hand, which it sounded like we did, and then he came over the top and shoved. At that point, I'm probably calling that shove. So I probably end up oh one hundred percent. You're taking that one down. I personally. Yeah. Patrick loses when if I check on the turn and he bets, I'm like, no, have a nice night. I'm on to the next, <laughs> to the next hand. So I would have ended up yeah. out of that one anyway. So I'm just thinking about it from what makes sense, and I don't. 
I feel like if he had Queen Jack or a 10 here, he wouldn't shove because he's going to want us to call. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. So if you, if you really stop and, and, and take your time and think about it, then based on Reed, it's probably, it probably should be a call. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's tough. It's, but like I said, at least you were playing with his money, so <laughs> so you didn't lose too much. That's right. That's exactly um, right. So there you go. Alex, I appreciate you sending that hand in. And if anyone has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. Patrick, I'll see you next week. Sounds good. See you guys. question is how you running all right mark good beats brimmett he has been a poker coach for over 15 years he's been a contributor to the annie up magazine and podcast he has played millions of hands both online and live i believe and he just joining me here this week Mark, how you been? Wahoo! I, <laughs> I thought I was the only guy in the world that played a million hands online and a million hands live, but I'm sure there's tons and tons of people that have surpassed me. But that's just <laughs> a gift. That's just a gift. I'm, I'm doing great. How are you, Joe? I am doing well. I'm doing well. So um, as you can see, we've, we've changed around the scenery back here and uh, been, been trying to make this whole process easier and uh, uh, more visually appealing. So uh, it's a, it's a work in progress. My white wall is not really that. Appealing. <laughs> <laughs> well, brought you on here this week because we want to do something uh, kind of interesting. And I wanted to talk to you about it today, working on putting a challenge together, right. And uh, really diving into this, with some hands and and breaking down individual reasons for who won, who lost. So talk about advanced poker training because that's where we're going to do it. Talk about advanced poker training and the the challenges there, and then we'll kind of go a little further into what we're doing. Yeah. Okay. We're throwing down the gauntlet. I love it. Now, um, so I will send you an email. And I'll challenge you. And we'll, we're going to end up playing the same 100 hands against each other. And within that 100 hands, we'll spot out a couple hands where, like, that made a difference on whether who won or lost. But the crazy thing about poker is quite often the guy who got off the hand did it for the right reason. But the guy who won the big pot that made the difference of winning and losing might have made the wrong play. So we're going, to de- we're going to deconstruct what you were thinking, what I was thinking, and hopefully do it with video. I think it's going to be a really great sort of uh, lesson about wrong play, right result, right play, wrong result. What were you thinking? What was I thinking? I think uh, the any of audience will get a lot out of it. It's a great idea. Yeah. So just to make sure I understand so that I can be mentally prepared here. Um, this is not one of those where we're playing just pocket jacks all the way through. It'll be various hands, but I will see the same hands and you will see the same hands throughout the the 50 hands, right? Yeah, absolutely. And if this thing takes off for for the Anti-Up YouTube channel, maybe that'll be down the road. We'll say, look, who did better with pocket jacks, that kind of thing, which is part of their one of the things that they do also, which is kind of fun too. Like, right. You know, and, and, you know, it's coaching poker is about plugging leaks. And if we can talk about something and somebody else out there is listening and they, it helps their game, you know, it's a, we, we did our job. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the goal, right. To try to make everybody better by going through these hands, even though, you know, it's a hands, these are going to be hands that I played or you played. It's the goal is for everybody to learn from this. So I hope everybody really enjoys it. 
and we'll start this next week. What do you say? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to send you the challenge as soon as we get off. But um, again, just for the listeners, the great thing about this is there'll be a hand where imagine we both have Jack Queen suited on the button and, uh, you know, for one reason or another, you call a guy's raise and I decide to re-raise him or whatever it is. And that hand plays out the way it does. We'll be able to deconstruct that. And um, it'll be a lot of fun. So it will, it'll be two people playing the exact same hand against the exact same opponents. And then what we did. Yeah. And I think that the importance here is that in every hand, there are little things that make a big difference, right? So like you said, if you re-raised and I just called or my bet sizing was different than your bet sizing. So that made a difference. You know, all those little things affect a hand from start to finish. And so I think this is going to be able to bring that to light more than anything because we're playing the same hands against the same hands. It's Yeah, and again, for your audience, think of duplicate bridge. If you don't know what du- duplicate bridge is, everybody's playing the exact same deck. And you have 50 tables and they've got these decks set up and it kind of, it, it really makes for an interesting uh, competition. If someone was not familiar with it, um, you can get on advanced poker training for free and check it out too. So Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, shout out to them too, because that's where this is all going to be going down. Yep, I, and I, I coach people via, via advanced poker training. That's what I do. Uh, and I use those exercises with my students, along with breaking down hands that they play week in and week out. And that's basically my system of coaching. So next week, be on the lookout for it. I think this is going to be a lot of fun and uh, we'll touch base on that. Sound good? That's awesome. I I love it. I love it. All right. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next week. The challenge is on. That's right. And see ya. It's time for Joe's One Outer. Poker's not a physical game. (laughs) I know you're all shocked to hear that, but stay with me for a minute. It's somewhat obvious that poker's physical demands are more about the mind. So if poker is such a mental game, Why do so many people neglect this part of preparation? You see, when I got into poker, it was at a time that reminds me of basketball before Jordan. Michael Jordan forced other players to take their mental game seriously. He was a serious trash talker on the court and pushed everyone to get better. For the most part, that aspect of poker has changed. The improvements players have made to their mental game have made a significant difference in the quality of the game as a whole. Many of the players now realize that success in poker depends on your ability to make good decisions over a long period of time, which does make the game mentally demanding. Athletes work to perfect their swing or balance. They push themselves to get stronger and more fit. Decision-making is essentially the poker player's jump shot, so to speak. You need to train your brain to make good decisions almost instinctually. And even though the mental game has gotten better, so many players are metaphorically out of shape. Memory, focus, planning, self-awareness, perception, and most importantly, emotional control are all part of the process. When your mindset is out of shape, it can be similar to an athlete that hasn't kept their body in tip-top physical condition. Do any of these sound familiar? Being sluggish at the table? Tilting easily? Missing obvious tells? Or giving them off yourself? Or being distracted? The best in the world continue to work on their craft, yet... So many poker players let themselves get mentally lazy. 
Regardless of how much knowledge you may have, winning is a lot easier when your mind is sharp. For the record, I'm not saying the mind alone is going to make you a great player. You still need to work on the fundamentals, strategy, and theories as well. But staying mentally fit is crucial to your success. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables. The Any Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AnyUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at AnyUpMagazine.com. Dot com.